Well, let's turn to the word of the Lord, and I hope you're excited as I am to share the word with you today. Um, it's going to be an awesome message, not because I'm preaching it, but because it's God's word. Amen? Because it's God's word. I want to thank our decor team. That's Josephine and Emily and amen, and all of those people who helped set this up. Uh, I just share the vision, and they come and help. Thank you, Julie, as well. Amen. <laughs> Julie and Josephine were here last night setting up the table for the gifts that were given out. And uh, if it was up to me, you would just be like, here's a box on the table. But they got a hold of it. <laughs> I walk in. I'm like, wow, what creativity. So thank you, Julie and Josephine watching online. Thank you so much for that. We couldn't do ministry without you. Do you know how important you are to this ministry and to the body of Christ? Someone who knows they're important to the body of Christ, say amen. amen. Come on, let the devil know he's a loser, right? Amen, and that you guys are winners. So uh, let's look at our message for today. If we can get the lights up just a little bit. Uh, we can get the lights turned up just a little bit. I want to begin at the gospel of uh, Matthew. Let's go to Matthew uh, chapter number 1, verse 21 to 23. We're going to start there. And then we're going to uh, to dive into some really great things for you uh, today. So Matthew chapter number 1. Both Matthew and Luke, they give us a narrative of the birth of Jesus. And we thank God for that. We really do. We thank God that Luke, who's a historian... We thank you that Matthew, who was writing to his Jewish audience, recognized it. Uh, Mark is the only one that doesn't write the beginning of Jesus. Mark's gospel is called the gospel of action. So he starts right out with just rebuking devils and demons. That's how, that's how Mark gets a hold of it. He's like, man, he's just casting stuff out. Establishing the kingdom of God is here. Aren't you glad for the kingdom of God? Amen. And so uh, that's why they believe Mark was written first. Uh, but Matthew writes, and, and Matthew has given us uh, the reason why we celebrate. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, he says this. He says, she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus. And so the name Jesus is vital because Matthew goes and tells us what that name means. It's, it's a derivative of Joshua, the Lord saves and so he begins, says, for he will save his people from their what? Sins. So automatically we recognize that the Christmas narrative is different than a Shakespeare novel. It's different. It's different. It's not the same. Because he's telling us that the reason why we look at this is because the name Jesus that you should give to this child, he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. So all of a sudden, Matthew now is going back into the Old Testament, of which we're going to spend the bulk of our time looking at the story of Christmas and of Christ. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord, who had spoken? The Lord had spoken by his prophets. And so we need prophetic words to be ushered into the church as we navigate some of the rough things that we are going through. How many know that we need a prophetic voice in this hour, and so Christmas becomes a time where we focus in on a prophetic word of, of, of looking at the importance. And he says, Behold, the virgin 
uh, virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, there we go again, Emmanuel. And they interpret it for us again, which means God with us. Can we just celebrate that for just a second? That God is with us. Come on, clap your hands, shout, slap somebody, do something. Let them know that God is with us. That gives you reason if someone's sleeping. Bam, God is with us. Did you feel him? Amen, somebody. Did you, did you feel him? Did you feel him? Father, we thank you for your word and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This year, I typically give a theme every year to the decor team, and, and I give them a theme, and I say, this is what we're going to do, and, and probably one of the best ones we've ever done was snow, because Megan loved it. There was snow everywhere in this church. She brought the artificial snow. She brought the real snow if she could, but it would melt. It was just, it was a great service, and at the end of that particular Christmas, as she walked outside, it started to snow. I'm like, man, look at that God and all the seven billion people on the planet. Amen. God knows you. It says, let it snow for Megan. Amen. So his husband will be happy. Praise God. And so um, snow was 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 a great one. And so this year I thought about doing peace. And I said, let's let's do peace. Given all that we were going through and all just the different things. If you're if you don't know that there's some rough things that took place in 2020, you're either your head's either in the sand or you're just you just don't have any connection at all. You're just totally off the grid altogether. Uh, but what a year that nobody could predict. Every preacher took their January message and ripped it up. <laughs> and truly, they say, if you want to see God laugh, tell him your plans, right? And so that was where God had a laugh, like, ah! And so I decided to talk about peace, and then all of a sudden I realized that it just wasn't what God was was saying and just wasn't what it is. I said, hey, it's light. That's what God wants us to, to focus on is light. And then the core team says, oh, praise God. Man, we had this idea and we had this thing going. And so, so I thank God for the confirmation. And so we've been looking at this thing, at this, at this metaphor called light. And the reason why is because in the beginning it says, and God says, let there be light. And so in the Bible, that we read, those are the first recorded words of, of God. God is the one that says that I want humanity to read the story and I want to begin by letting them know, let there be. And so he ushers in something that is so critical and so vital that throughout the scriptures we see that light is absolutely vital. And it makes sense because God is saying, before we can usher into peace, because here's the deal. Some people will say peace, peace, when there isn't any peace. Where he's come to bring division, he's come to bring a sword. There is coming a judgment of God where he, God, not us, God will be bringing the separation. God will be doing that. Pastor, it's Christmas. How are you preaching about judgment? Because you can't embrace the justice of God, the love of God, the light of God without recognizing the judgment of God. Someone had to pay for sin. God didn't sin. 
Someone had to pay for God to be holy, for there to be light, for you to see the character of God, for you and I to put our confidence in the most high. There's got to be a judgment. And so he brings light, not that we would be afraid of the light, but that we will see the life that comes from light. And so Christmas The Christmas lights, I believe personally, are the best part of Christmas. I absolutely love driving by and and seeing the homes that the houses that have the Christmas lights set up. Um, Where we live and we have this balcony and I would take it and I think it was last year I was really, really deeply in the mood for Christmas. And I keep telling my wife, I said, no, I love Christmas and I just don't like the cold. But I do like Christmas. And I was out there and I was putting the lights on and, and it was beautiful. And when we turned them on and we would pull into our driveway, it would be beautiful just to see the lights light, lit up. It was amazing. Because you see, when I was a teenager, um, when I was about 12 or 13, we would go to people's home and, and we would knock on their doors and we would sing Christmas carols. It, it was a way for us to make some additional money. And so we would always look for the house that had the most lights outside. And we would knock on the door. You know pastor can't sing, so you know it was the grace of God. Come on. That they just looked and said, if he's bold enough to come out in the cold and to sing like that, we're going to give him some money. I don't know if it was to celebrate the season or to shut me up. I'm not sure what it was, but there was an exchange that would take place. But I would look for the house that had lights. Why? Because if I see the lights, I automatically assume that they would go through all that trouble to put the Christmas lights outside of their house. That means there must be some celebration in the house. And I couldn't tell. I didn't know. But if there was an outward expression of the Christmas lights, it tells me then that there must be a celebration of Christmas in the house. And so therefore, I would go to those homes. And we would knock and we would get our money and we would get our Christmas gifts and we would get some food. And, and so you see, lights, they bring hope and excitement because, because they remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. And what Christmas is really all about is worshiping the light of the world. That's what it's really about. It's really about worshiping the light of the world let there be light was ushered out of the mouth of God in Genesis light is central the image of light is vital to the body of Christ and we've been talking about this for the last month but light is also central to Christmas why because it is light and where we point To the birth of Christ. This is the most important event of the human history. Can I get a witness? That Christmas is the most important event. You can't get to the cross without first coming through Christmas. And so therefore it makes sense that the church, the people of God, that we set our attention, that we put things off for just a little bit, that we gather together. And so we focus on this. Here is why. Because Christmas, this is it now, it is the dividing line between the age of darkness 
and the age of light. I love that. I love that because, because what we recognize is we see that light has a purpose. Someone write that down. That light has a purpose. And so therefore what light does is that it exposes, but it also expels the darkness that exists. And it's important for that. Once you get a hold of that, once you come to realize how important light is, this then becomes the reason. This is reason enough to celebrate Christmas. This is reason enough to be able to say Merry Christmas. This is the reason that we respond to this gift of light. So it must be celebrated. We must give thanks and we must rejoice. So let's put that into practice. Let's celebrate by clapping our hands the light of Christmas. Let's give God thanks for Christmas. Let's rejoice of the birth of Jesus. Let's look at what God is doing in the light of his word. And we can see the importance of it. Because Luke chapter 2 verse 20 tells us, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God, ready for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So in other words, you can tell when someone has witnessed something miraculous, they come back rejoicing, they come back celebrating, not because the situation has changed, but because they've encountered the light, come on, who shines on the situation, and they see, I'm going to give God praise, I'm going to give God glory, I'm going to give God honor and praise. So this year, I was... Want to go to different Christmas lights, and 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 I went to one that was in Marion, uh, 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 someone I know, and, and I said, hey, I heard that you set up a Christmas light, and she said, yeah, and I said, what's the address? And I went, and I was by myself in my car, and I was just looking at the lights, and and it was done to music. It was beautiful. I'm sitting there by myself, and I'm just seeing the lights that were going, and they were just like celebrating artificial lights, just celebrating. And if artificial lights can celebrate, come on, and can go to the tune, how much more? me created in the image of God when I think that Jesus who saved me from my sins I'm going to praise God more than some artificial light come on church amen it was beautiful it was organized it was awesome the timing was beautiful but I have to just pause for a moment because when I think about Jesus come on and the things that I hear and see I've got to tell somebody open your eyes and see the light of Christmas and so the church was supposed to be shining bright and tell the story So why do we tell the Christmas story every year? Why do we tell the Christmas story every year? It's because we want to give God the glory every time. And so therefore, it doesn't become stale. It doesn't become something I'm so familiar with. The Christmas story is told every single time because you want people to give God glory. To give him glory. You see, Christmas is the event that points to the glory of God in the revelation of the Son in Bethlehem's humble manger. Christmas. The Christmas light. God is so good. I share with you four things that you must embrace as you look at the light. 
I shared that first and foremost when God gave the natural light. It is God saying, I care for you. That he cares enough, that he, he's compassionate enough, that he wants us to be able to have light. So we can work and, and, and we can fulfill the mandate of being fruitful and multiply in the earth. He gives us those things because he wants people to be able to say when they come into the light, to say, God, you do care for me. In the midst of all that's happening, he wants it to be known that God cares for me. He also wants us to recognize that God loves me. And I'm serious when I say this because when I talk to people, those are two things that I'm struggling with because anxiety wants to rob us where we think, I don't know, God, if you're in my tomorrow, I don't have sufficient stuff for today. And if I'm struggling today, surely tomorrow is going to be worse. And so therefore anxiety comes in. But when we see the light of God's word and we recognize his goodness, his compassion, we have to say, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And so I shine the light. I go back to Bethlehem, the humble manger. And I go back to him. I says, God, you are good. You sent your son. So if you did that, that means you care for me. That means you love me. It also means, God, your mercy keeps me. The power of confession. I was reading about it in this book. It's called You Are What You Love. And I opened up the book, and normally I don't just go to the first chapter. I just open up the book, and I'm like, okay, let's see where I want to read from. And, and I got to the chapter on confession. And I was reading, and they were talking about the beauty of confessing. To confess, they were talking about the beauty. It's a gift to be able to go before God and says, God, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every day I need you. And as I was reading the, 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 the book and I, I recognized, okay, okay, something that I learned and, and I highlighted some stuff. I'm like, okay, I got great materials to preach. And then all of a sudden, last night, I'm about to get ready to go to bed and God says, no, that was for you. <laughs> I said, oh my goodness, Lord, what, what you talking about? And he says, it's important that you recognize that there are times that you have to confess. It's not because you're doing something so deep and dark. Now, some people are, but it's not necessarily just that. It's God wanting to recognize you are a work in progress, preacher. And so Christmas is about me remembering that God, your mercy keeps me. That he didn't just let me stay in that state, walking around confused. No, confess this right now. Why? Because you are a work in progress, preacher. And so I had to confess that God forgive me. He reminded me of those little things. You know the little things that we think the light doesn't shine on those things? I wish you wouldn't, but God is saying my mercy. I'm committing my mercy. They're new every morning. And so therefore I have to shine my line. I shine my light on every area. And I was able to confess. And you know what that did? It reminded me of the beauty of Christmas. It reminded me that he did come to save me from my sins, big or small. According to God, they're all the same. And so what he does, he goes and says now that those four things, and the final one is God is with us, that God is with us, God is here. And he says now, in, as we look at this, we see in Isaiah, the, the Christmas story, and we see in Isaiah where it says, first, I'm going to give you a sign. You see, Isaiah wrote about Christmas 700 years before the birth of Christ. You think God had this on his mind? 
One can even argue that in Genesis chapter 3, 15, that we reckon it says the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. So even in the garden, God had it on his mind already. Man, I just feel like giving God praise and glory, not because I'm Pentecostal, but because I just sense the presence of God. That when I think about Jesus and I think about what God did to get him here, my mind just gets blown away with the goodness of God. That 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah the prophet that Matthew talks about penned these words. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. And in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Lord himself. He said, this is too important to delegate to anybody else. Oh, God. He said, this is too important for somebody to mess it up. Oh, come on. He said, I cannot afford somebody to mess up the plans that I had before the foundation of the earth. And he says, before you were even born, he said, I already had the light coming And he says, the Lord himself. I love that. What does that mean? It clearly implies here that the sign should be as such as God alone can give. In other words, there's no king. There was a king at this time. He said, the earthly king cannot give you a sign. They can try to give you as much things as they can to try to make you live comfortable and try to control you. But he's saying the Lord himself will give you a sign that you will know this is only comes from God. You need those moments in your life, church. Come on. You need those moments in your life when you recognize this is the hand of the Lord that did this. That my education, come on. My, my money, there was nothing that can do this. This was God himself. And Christmas is one of those events where the Lord himself will give you a sign. He said only the Lord can give. It would be such as would be a demonstration that he presides, that he governs over the interests of his people. So can we, in the midst of 2020, give God praise and glory? Yes, you can. We are commanded to give him praise and glory. Once you realize it's the Lord himself, when people are saying, did you see what's going on in the news? You tell them, I've got good news for you. Come on. The psalmist says that the people of God, they don't even fear bad news. There is no bad news when it comes to God. It is good news. When people say, how are you so excited? Tell them it's the birth of Jesus Christ that changes everything. It changes everything. So in other words, pastor, are you saying that God is interested in the details of my life? Yes, the Lord himself. Are you saying that he he knows exactly what I'm thinking? The Lord himself. Are you telling me that through the tragedies of the loss of loved ones? Because people lost loved ones this year. And he's still saying, but I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what I'm doing. The Lord himself. And this is also a reference to the birth of a child. It's a reference to the birth of a child. And it means this, that this event can only be known by God. So not only is God saying he's the only one that can give it. He's also saying that Christmas recognizes that only events that God has predetermined. He's the only one that can accomplish it by his spirit. Oh my goodness. 
For Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. The angels go to Mary and they says, listen, here's what's going to happen to you. And she's like, are you out of your mind? I don't know anybody. The more the angel talked, the more she was saying, what in the world are you talking about? He says, for nothing will be impossible. Come on. With God. It is a reference to the miraculous conception and the birth of the Messiah. That's why we have to proclaim the virgin birth. We have to declare it because what it means is this, that only God can accomplish what God has established. And it's in this we see Matthew chapter 1. Now, the fulfillment of it. We read that Matthew's right and Matthew saying, God is with us. The Christmas light has come to shine upon the darkness that envelops us. And we can now, in the midst of the darkness, we can say, let your light shine. Merry Christmas. The Savior King is here. Major Savior King is here. Let me ask the question. Do you know him? Do you know him today? Do you know the Savior King? Do you know him? You see, let me show you how he works. Let me show you how light works. Still looking at Isaiah. Because it's important for us to really get a hold of Because by the time this really drops in your spirit, you're going to be grabbing a chair and throwing it. Amen. Come on, because you're going to be so excited. Don't throw it at anybody. You're just going to grab a chair. You got to do something. You got to run. You got to shout. You got to do cartwheels. Because when you think about the light and how the light works, it changes everything. And so for us who are so accustomed to light that they become so familiar with it, back in the Old Testament, it wasn't like that. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, what we see here is not just that he gave a sign in Isaiah seven fourteen, but what we see here is that this light, that people seen a great light. In Isaiah 9, verse 2, and this is where God's really been having me focus on. He says, Rowan, that there are people who are walking in darkness. There are people who needs to see the light of the church. And what a great opportunity it is, especially in 2020, to be able to shine our light. And so he said, let me give you the example. So in Isaiah 9, verse 2, it says this. The people who walk in darkness are seeing a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You see, the light which Isaiah prophesied was to be so brilliant that it ready, it was to embrace every man, every woman, every child born into this world. This great light was to say, come on, you can come to the light. You can come to the light. You can come to the light. This light that is shining is saying, come on, I want to embrace every man, every woman, every child born into this world. It is to be a light that extends back to a time before the worlds were made. And it was to be this glittering light that reaches forward into the furthest extremities and the widest, excuse me, the widest dimensions of the eternal ages to come. Ready for this? What he was saying that this light knows no boundaries. This light extends to the person in the furthest reaches. There are people who say, I can't come to church. The walls will crumble if I walk into church. And God is saying, no, my light goes to the furthest. It goes to the farthest of sinner to say, no, he wants to embrace and says, no, you come to the light. Come to the light. Don't stay in darkness. It's a light that would be ablaze and, and it will show forth in the world that the king is 
on the throne. Let me break it down for you quickly and just give you what Christmas is really about. You see, Christmas, after we read this verse, is all about the light. It is about how the light has, how the light is shining in the midst of darkness. So in other words, I really want you to get this. How is my hope renewed? My hope is renewed because the light is shining in the situation that I'm facing or the situation that's coming against me. You see, the enemy wants to continue to throw us into darkness. But what we have to understand is this, that we don't fight darkness with darkness. No, we fight darkness with light. And so therefore, because the great light has shined in the midst of darkness, darkness we have hope we have joy we have love christmas is all about the light but here's the thing when i would go to a house when, when i would look at the lights especially when i would go to see the light show they would tell me you can't go until it's dark what to see the brilliance of the light to see the effects of it you've got to wait until it's dark oh come on and so if you really know God's sovereignty, come on, the enemy is so foolish, come on, that he brings the darkness and God is saying, you're just exposing the light. Oh, hallelujah, come on. And so when darkness comes, don't freak out. Don't become afraid. When the darkness comes, that's your time to say, light, shine bright in the situation. Christmas is about the light. Because the Bible says he was born at night. Why wouldn't this be born in the daytime? If God who controlled everything and knew when delivery was supposed to take place, he brings that night just again to remind us. Then the midst of the darkness when the shepherds were like, okay, we're about to retire for the night. He says, oh no, events are happening. Come on. <laughs> Things are happening. Come on. When we're sleeping, God is still working. God is working. So Christmas is all about the light. And so I want you to see the progression that takes place. We have people who walk in darkness, and this is what happens. So they walk in darkness, and they walk in darkness, and so they walk in the darkness. And then all of a sudden, they're in darkness so long from walking, they decide, man, let's just make camp here. And so they start to dwell in darkness. And once they start to dwell in darkness, they now say, we might as well just sit in darkness. You know, there are people that have been in darkness for so long that they're saying, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here. There is no hope in God. I put my trust in God and he didn't show up in time. God, how could you love me and have my loved one pass away? I know the preacher was saying there is hope, but I am sitting in darkness. Oh, my soul. It's the dark night of the soul. God, I'm not rejecting you. I just don't understand you right now. It's not I don't believe in you, God. It's just I've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again, and I'm still sitting in darkness. And so what must we do, preacher, if Christmas is all about the light? Here's what we do. You see, when you walk in darkness, here's what happens. The enemy wants you to believe that the pleasures and the fulfillment in life, that those are what you need. But the light comes in and says, no, those pleasures from the enemy will never fulfill you. They will never satisfy you. Keep 
walking. For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So in other words, this Christmas 2020, keep walking through the scriptures. Come on, don't you stop. Keep walking towards the light because God has something for you in the midst of all that is happening. He's saying, church, don't you sit down. Not on this time, not this watch. You better be shining your light more than ever. Those who dwell in deep darkness. He says, listen, the reason why God doesn't wish you to remain and follow darkness is because of his love for you. He's saying embrace his light. Walk in a path that removes the burdens. So in other words, saying while you're walking in darkness, he says, don't dwell there. He says, you keep walking into the light. Your burdens get lifted off. Your answers to your prayers, they start to make sense. And here's the deal when you sit in darkness. He says this in in, in Micah 7, verse 7 and 8. Look at this. When you realize that light has come in, this is your confession. In Micah 7, verse 7 and 8. But ask for me. I don't know about everybody else, but ask for me in my house. Micah 7, 7 and 8. Here's what he said. He said, when darkness takes place, here's what happens. He says, listen, he says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me. Come on. Oh, my enemies. When I fall. <laughs> Good God. Come on. He says, you're laughing now because you see me fall. But the light is going to shine on me and I shall rise. Mm, even when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Christmas is about the light. Christmas is also about the great light coming and shining as well. It's about the son of God. And so in Luke 1 verse 32 to 33, it says he will be, he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. This is Luke 1 verse 32. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Watch this now. He says his name is Jesus. He says his name is Emmanuel. And here again we say he shall be called the son of the most high. Look at the titles that are given to this one individual. Come on. He's called Jesus saves us from our sin. He's called Emmanuel. Come on. God is with us. He's also called the son of the most high. Christmas is about the son of God. It's not just about the shopping or online shopping. It is about the son of God. For in Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says these words. For unto us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Watch this now. His name shall be called wonderful. So as you are walking in this darkness. As you see, you dwell in this darkness and you sin darkness. Once you come now, you realize, hold on, this great light. Oh, his name is wonderful. Some people think it's wonderful counsel, but no, it's not. It's wonderful. Just, it, his name is wonderful. Come on. His name is counselor. So in other words, come on, you can have a counselor. That's great. That's awesome. Especially if they're Christian counselors who pray with you before. Come on. You see what I'm saying? That's what you want to seek, right? And get some therapy. But he's saying the ultimate counselor is Jesus. He's also the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. 
The Christmas light is about the son of God and these, these things. So in other words, whenever you need the light to shine on the situation, you look and say, hold on a second. I don't know what to do. Counselor, shine on me. Come on. Come on. When I don't have the strength, mighty God, shine on me. When I'm wondering if I'm an orphan, no, everlasting father, you are my daddy. When I feel there's chaos, I need the prince of peace. Christmas is about the Son of God. And what he's saying is this, that this great light, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If that does not meet your needs, then I don't know if you really know God. If you don't really know God. And so finally, we look at Christmas is about the pure light from the holy face of Jesus. We were singing the song Silent Night. I like to do the history and to, and to look at how these Christmas carols and these Christmas hymns were written and the condition behind them. And Silent Night was written. It was a Christmas Eve service, and the person who wrote the song, and if I'm not mistaken, that the organ was broken. And he's like, we got to have a Christmas Eve service, and we got to figure out what's going on. And so he goes and he calls somebody to come, and, and they wrote the song um, Silent Night, and it was you know, written in German. And, and so it's been a classic and just a powerful song. But in verse 3 or the third stanza, it, it says something that I believe is so critical in, in, in what they were communicating. It says, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face. You see, in writing this particular Christmas song, what they were saying was this, that everything is to address Jesus Christ. In other words, everything we do, we should see it in the face of Jesus. That everything we do, we should look at it from the perspective of, is the light from the pure love of his face shine on us? And that's why love is so powerful. Love is absolutely powerful. And remember, Blaine talked about that, that first love. And so when love is shining on us, what we see is we see the Son of God. We see this radiant beams that, that comes from his face. And so everything then goes back to Christ. We're saying, Jesus, there's a pure light that is coming from your face. And in that light, we see the genesis of grace that saves. It's in this light that we recognize now that ready for this, that this light has the ability to shine into our hearts and give us the grace that we need. And it's when we do this now, we have seen his glory. And that's the ultimate goal. That's what we want to get to is that we want to see his glory. We want to see his glory this Christmas morning. We want to see his glory the next day. We want to see his glory in 2021. We want to see his glory. And so John writes, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Church, have you seen his glory? Are you recognizing his glory? Because if we look at Christ's birth as a singular event, at the dawn of creation, merely in the context of that happened 700 or 2,000 years ago. We miss the meat of the message of the Christmas light. When we recognize that what John is saying is this. After you take a look at the Old Testament prophets. As you take a look at what the gospel writers are writing about. We have to conclude is this. When all the evidence has been presented. We must declare these words. According to John. That the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. 
In other words, if you see in his glory, it's evident when we come together and we're celebrating Christmas. What we're doing is this. We're saying, I've seen Jesus. Come on. I've seen him because the glory of God that I am presenting, the glory of God that I'm confessing is declaring that Christ in me is the hope of glory. Is the hope of glory. Emmanuel, God with us. And so the substance of Christmas is this. You see, John's gospel is identifying the light of God in our lives. It is inviting us into the relationship with God. Praise team, come at this time. You see, when we take a look at Matthew 1, and we read it in its context, and then we look at John, John's gospel is identifying the light of God in our lives. The substance of the Christmas light is not only to shine into a dark world. It is also to shine in your soul. It is the inviting of people into a relationship with God's light. That we may be afforded the opportunity to bring love's pure light into our lives and let it shine for others. I quote, this is the core message of Emmanuel, God with us. This is the message of Christmas. The Christmas light is really a message of Emmanuel, God with us. That the light is being offered to us and we are being asked if there is room in our hearts for the Christmas light. That is the question for when we see his glory in you, it's an indication that you have both witnessed the light and you desire that this Christmas season be the outpouring of that light to other people. It is us recognizing people who are walking in darkness, they must see a great light. And the only way they're going to see it according to the scripture with the Holy Spirit inside of you and inside of me is that we shine forth the light. People may have Christmas lights around their house, but it's the Christmas light. Is it in your heart? Do not allow the season that we are navigating through to cause us to miss the meat of this message, which is simply this. God, I want to see your glory before this year is over. I'm not waiting till 2021. God, I'm not going to miss this moment of looking at the Bethlehem child. And I'm going to say, even though it was a silent night, Savior King, we need your glory. I don't want to look back at an event that took place last year. I don't want to look back at an event that took place five years ago. Today, right now, at 11.40 a.m., God, I want to see your glory. Your glory. Of witnessing the light and the outpouring of the light. So let me ask you a question. 
what would the world be like if we were shining our light at the center of all we do? What would that look like? I believe what we will see is God's glory and God's honor. Do you have room in your hearts for the Christmas light? God is with us. But I'm ask you the question, is God in us? The Christmas light. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. The two takeaways from today's message is this. The miracle of the Christmas light is something that only God can accomplish. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. Let your light shine within our hearts. And as Christmas is celebrated differently this year, one thing will never change is this. One thing that will never change. You are our king. You are the savior. You are our king. And we want to see your glory. Let your light shine just Take a minute out and just give God glory. Let your light shine. Give God glory. Give him honor. Give him praise.